Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here on the Tuesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick network. Glad you're with us on YouTube. Search out Outkick there and you'll find the channel. Subscribe. Pound that like button. You can hit the alarm that allows you to get an alert every time we go live or any show here across the Outkick platform. Join Chad in the chat as well, which he's been boasting Great about. Great chat today. On and off Terrific the chat. Sixth and Peabody are location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Jim Nagy joins us in 20 minutes. He's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He was present and was scouting Texas, Alabama, and had scouts at the Colorado matchup against Nebraska. We'll ask him about Shadur Sanders and much more, uh, and other quarterbacks. Speaking of quarterbacks, the headlines today, of course, surround Aaron Rodgers and his future, not just for the season. He's done for the season. That's confirmed through Robert Sala. Uh, head coach of the Jets today uh, with the uh, uh, ruptured Achilles. But what about the future moving forward? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I was walking around 6th and Peabody yeah. here, Hutton, and on the big screens, the the one time right before the show, walking in the studio, what do I see on the big screen? But Deion Sanders, Shador Sanders, and Shiloh Sanders in a KFC commercial. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man. Chad was hungry. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry, but also <laughs> Colorado – they're going to get some recruits. They're going to get some transfers. That's what I'm saying. You hey, cannot turn and look anywhere, I'm, even during a commercial break, and not see them. My point was yesterday was, hey, think about where they're going to be a year from now, not just a month from now. You know, are they going to be atop the Pac-12? Are they going to beat Oregon or USC? I mean, all the transfers that they have, and they're competing at this level. Yep. The transfers that they'll have a year from now will be, should be remarkable. If you do not like Deion Sanders and the way he's going about it, you're going to be very angry uh, in the upcoming seasons. That is my prediction. Chad, uh, New York football fans angry. Oh, yeah. Giants blow out on Sunday night, mm, and then Jets awful. fans losing Aaron Rodgers on the fourth snap of the game in the first series uh, with an Achilles injury where he's carted off, and Zach Wilson, who the, the franchise admitted wasn't good enough. Former number two overall pick, admitted uh, to the fan base and to everyone, hey, uh, we're a quarterback away. We've got the elite defense. We've got pieces in place. We need the veteran QB. And they did everything possible to go all in. And miraculously, he came out of the darkness retreat in the cave and he saw green. He saw, he saw the J-E-T-S. He did. And he was the Jets quarterback soon after that. He restructured his contract. So the revised contract for Aaron Rodgers is worth $112.5 million for three years. $75 million is fully guaranteed. So as of right now, the $75 million fully guaranteed, the Jets have paid him $18.75 million per snap to Aaron Rodgers. 35, there's a $35 million bonus um, that was is is paid this year 
base salaries are guaranteed, and there's another $35 million bonus for next year. Uh, plus, there's some money tacked on in 2025 where the base salary is currently $37.5 million. Um, I, and just looking ahead, this impacts the Packers because Rodgers needed to play 70% of the snaps if the Packers were going to receive a Jets first-round pick. So they will end up getting a second-round pick from New York, not a first-round. That's a a huge difference there. They financially went in on the quarterback for the Super Bowl run. But what if at 39, soon to be 40, Aaron Rodgers just hangs it up for whatever reason? You know, if if he doesn't feel right, if he comes back and, and rehab isn't going well, whatever. What if he retired? There's a a dead money hit on the cap moving forward that the Jets would have to either uh, renegotiate and pay out and spread it across several years instead of one or two moving forward, or they try to settle something to where they get some some cap relief in future seasons, but it's probably more of a long-term argument that isn't soon to be resolved by next season's off off season, where they've got some money to spend, they still have about nine million uh, under the cap currently, uh, with right now projected to have twenty three and a half million in cap space next off season, and that's all because of the money that's allocated to the veteran QB and across the roster, and the young talent that they have coming up, Sauce Gardner in a couple of seasons, Garrett Wilson in a couple of seasons. And even if Zach Wilson, hypothetically, leads this team to the playoffs, what do you do with him if you don't have the cap space to give him something if he's earned it? There's a lot of issues that carry forward just based on this injury, more so than, well, they're done for the season. Um, Don't bury them yet because they're extremely talented on defense. But... As of right now, financially, it, it's bleak. There's a $40 million dead money hit on their 2025 salary cap, for instance, based on the deal. A lot of issues that they're pouring over, and there's more depression than just about the here and now coming from Robert Sala. Not necessarily him, but Joe Douglas. While they're looking around for a veteran that may be available to come in and back up Zach Wilson, we'll hear about that soon because they start the, the week tomorrow getting ready for practice against the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Chad, it's, it's not as simple as just saying, well, if he's done, they move on and there's no repercussions. This lasts a little bit. And it's a lot like New Orleans with Breeze. They spread that money around on their cap to where when Breeze left and retired, they didn't take the hit in one big year. The Jets would be having to do the same, but they would need Rodgers to play some ball with them again. It's bleak. I'm it's not, awful. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I really feel bad for them. Yeah, you went through the financials, and I, I get it. I, right? I, it, I like that they went all in the way they did. I, I and for too. it to end the, potentially end the way it could is awful. It sucks. It sucks all the way around. I, I I feel for Aaron Rodgers. I feel for Jets fans who have been with that team for years. I feel for ownership. I feel for Robert Sala. I feel for his teammates. It's it's an awful – I feel for the NFL. 
Because we all wanted yeah. this story. We wanted to follow the Jets all year. Oh, it, think, about a, the, think about the primetime games where the Jets are now. It's a miserable situation all the way around. And that primetime schedule is yet another example of that, which now does not have the same bang for your buck because Zach Wilson's the starting quarterback. But Robert Sala said today in his press conference, quote, I don't get why people are putting an obituary on our team name. Aaron is an unbelievable piece to this whole thing, and we love him. But there are 52 other guys here and 16 more on the practice squad. Sala mentions the championship caliber defense. Now, normally, I would chalk that up to coach speak and say, okay, great, 52 other guys. Well, none of them are Aaron Rodgers, future pro football Hall of Famer and a quarterback in the most important position. But Robert Sala is not wrong here. I am not ready to bury the New York Jets. Why? That's an elite roster all around the quarterback position. Do I think Zach Wilson's good? No. But Zach Wilson was the number two overall pick for a reason. He's got some talent. He was terrible a year ago. Not only was he terrible, he came across as a terrible leader with his lack of accountability and the way he handled some situations. Do I believe the player can improve and learn from mistakes? Absolutely. Do I think Aaron Rodgers helped him this camp? For sure. Can Zach Wilson be a little bit better? Yeah. I don't think he's got to be great. I think he's got to be a little bit better than he was a year ago. And if he's better, better than a year ago, this is still a team that can do some damage this year. But even with a mediocre Zach Wilson at quarterback, Robert Sala needs needs to look no further than his previous employer for the template of how you can get this done with an elite roster around a mediocre average quarterback. Brock Purdy is better than Zach Wilson. I'm not saying that Zach Wilson is Brock Purdy right now. They may have a find in that guy with the 49ers. But you know what else Brock Purdy isn't? A top 10 quarterback. And I have thought for a long time you had to have a top 10 quarterback to win the Super Bowl as an NFL team. I don't know that that's the case for the San Francisco 49ers. I have them in the Super Bowl. Why? Elite roster everywhere except quarterback. What do the New York Jets have right now? I believe an elite roster, almost every position group outside of quarterback. If Zach Wilson can simply manage the game and not get them beat and not make the huge mistake and make the plays that are there with a great receiver like Garrett Wilson, with a terrific running game, with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, and with an elite defense that may be top three in the NFL, can they go 11-6? and You're damn right they can. And guess what? If you're 11-6, and you're in the tournament. And once you get in the tournament, you can win it. So I'm here to preach to Jets fans right now. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. It sucks right now. I'm not sugarcoating that part of it. But can you still do good things this year? Yes. Can you do great things? Unlikely, but it's possible because of the roster around the quarterback. Here's the issue I have, though, and it's blatantly obvious based on last season. He wasn't benched necessarily necessarily because of his play. It was because of his leadership and lack yep. of accountability. After the New England loss, that's whenever he was, he was put on the bench. The defense allowed three points in New England. Three points was allowed. They lost 10-3 because of the pump return on special teams. And Zach Wilson was asked after that game if the offense let the defense and the team down, and he said no. And what was a punt fest or they could only muster a field goal. Then he had to come out and apologize after that. That's not leadership. And nope. he lost the respect 
of players in the locker room, including the rookies that were balling out as the offensive and defensive players of the year. So the lack of accountability is a slight to the other side of the football that's going to keep them in games. He would have to change drastically. And the same players that were tweeting all kinds of responses whenever the Jets brought in Rodgers are now turning around and having to back the quarterback that they didn't back a year ago because of the lack of accountability, because of the lack of production, and because they're losing games when the defense is allowing three points. That's the issue with what they're faced with now. Robert Sala has Zach Wilson's back. You can go back to January in the press conferences where he says, we're going to develop this guy. It's not about talent. He needs to get away from the game this offseason for a bit, for a bit. Go read a book, do something to take your mind off of whatever issues are going on and come back rejuvenated and ready to go. That was in response to the options of trading him this offseason, what they might do with the veteran. And then we know ownership and we know the, the, the path took them to Rodgers, but they kept Wilson around for a reason. And now they've got to not only make sure he's ready to go with a new offensive coordinator, with a game plan that fits him more than it fits Rodgers, They've also got to make sure that he steps up and leads as the quarterback. Because if you don't have the quarterback leading your team, you're not going to the postseason. They elected to bench him when they were on a playoff run in late November when they were winning and losing, but they were right in it and went with Mike White instead. That's the issue that they're faced with. It's not about the rest of the group. It's does the group believe in, follow, and trust Zach Wilson? And by and large, I think the answer is no. Yeah, I, I think it's going into the season, it's no. I think guys can improve, though. I think I think you can change players' minds if he does all the right things now. Will he? I don't know. Right. I mean, part of this caveat of them doing anything is Zach Wilson has to be improved from a play standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. But one test down and he passed it. I don't think there was any chance they were winning that game last night when it was 13-3. to I'm watching the Manning cast, and, and Peyton Wilson's is saying, hand it off him. every play. Yeah. Don't even try to throw it. Hand it off every play. That's what he thought of Zach Wilson and his ability to do anything. He made some plays in that game. He wasn't great, but he did what was needed and got them into overtime, and then they get a special teams play and win it. So, I mean, I, I'm with you. He's got to improve because I remember how cringe that press conference was. Well, when he was saying, "Oh, we don't owe them anything. We, we didn't let anybody down." Well, they had the. Uh, but, then he had to come back and and apologize the very next day. Well, you had the punter and the special teams captain taking accountability post game, yeah. and their quarterback wouldn't. Yeah, I, I think, I think, players can be fickle in this way. He's about to face the Dallas defense when next. you let them down. You know, the, and and you don't take accountability for it, they can be out on you. I think just as easily. They can be swayed to be in with you as long as you were showing them the signs that you were all in, you're giving it your all, and you're a guy they can play with. And that's going to come through wins and honestly, just not screwing it up. That's what Zach Wilson's got to do now. Don't screw this thing up. I, I don't think he's good enough to beat the Cowboys' defense. And I don't think the Jets win this game. But is he good enough to beat other – they just beat the Buffalo Bills, who I thought was the best team in their division. So it can happen for them. He just can't be the one to mess everything up for yeah. them. Now. He can't be Josh Allen, who turned it over four times last night. It was terrible. Turned it over four times. Some two really of those, bad Two decisions. of those either counted as a touchback and a punt Yeah, based on where he threw the picks. But 
The four Bad turnovers. Bad decision making. 84 turnovers since 2018 for Josh Allen. That leads the league during that span. Uh, the defense came through big once again in that. Uh, Garrett Wilson comes through with that crazy touchdown catch that he made. Great concentration. No, no doubt. Um, we've got uh, plenty to discuss uh, later on this uh, crazy story with Rodgers and where the Jets go from here. But, I mean, you look, the at, story what, of the day. look at what Miami did against the Chargers in week one. And New England somehow kept that a game against Philadelphia. Yeah. And all of a sudden, people are looking at Josh Allen. I'm not counting the Bills out after. Who knows what we saw that's true or false in, in the first week of the season. But last night, the Bills, with Rodgers going down, everything's deflated, had their MVP caliber quarterback lose the game. That's also crazy to consider. We'll dive into I mean, that you, later. You, you have to feel, if you're a Bills, we haven't talked to the Bills perspective. Yeah. Enormous missed opportunity. Division loss. Enormous missed opportunity last night. Jim Nagy joins us next. He scouted the Texas and Alabama game in person in Tuscaloosa. We'll also get his take on what his scouts are saying about Shador Sanders next. Coming up in an hour, John McClain joins us, recapping all of week one and a peek ahead to, to week two matchups across the NFL. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Each Tuesday, we'll be joined by our next guest, Jim Nagy. He is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, and he's scouting all things college football through visits to the best games from him and also his scouts who are scattered across the country uh, the first couple of weeks and moving forward across the college football season. Uh, Jim, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, good to see you guys. Uh, let, let's start with just the news on Rodgers. Everyone's talking about this. The, the deflating aspect of on the fourth snap of the season after all the hype, everything's going great. He looks refreshed, energized, happy. Uh, the, the Jets are stacked. They're a quarterback away from making a Super Bowl run. Super Bowl or bust expectations. To have him go down just... With your experience just behind the scenes with NFL organizations, what's that like? Oh, well, I, I did experience something similar um, back in 2008 when I was with the Patriots, and we lost Brady against the Chiefs in week one. Um, so something similar. But again, it, it, with my background in personnel, my my head immediately went to Joe Douglas, uh, the GM of the New York Jets, who's a who's a buddy of mine. We, we kind of got into the scouting profession together. And uh, he, like you said, he's built a great defense. He's built a good team around Aaron Rodgers. And now, you know, fast forward 16 weeks from now, I mean, all the fans right now are concerned for Aaron Rodgers, but in 16 weeks, if the New York jets are five and 12, um, they're not going to, they're not going to be remembering that they're not, they're not going to be feeling sorry for Joe Douglas. They're just going to want a, a winning product. So uh, I hated it for Joe D because he has, he's built a good team. He's had a couple of really good drafts. So tough night, really tough night for Aaron. I mean, really my, my heart goes out to him more than anyone. He's putting a lot of, putting a lot of work. Like he was with that team through the off season. You look at over yeah. the last few years in green Bay, he was not doing OTAs. He was not doing, you know, he wasn't doing a ton in training camp, but he was, it, you know, he was doing everything he could to be connected to that Jets football team. So four snaps into the season. Uh, it's a tough blow. He mentioned Chad the 16 weeks. They also have an owner who's known for not staying patient 
uh, three, four years, and who knows what he's thinking uh, come January. Oh, no, no doubt. And I'm, I'm curious, Jim, what are your thoughts on Zach Wilson, the quarterback, from his time at BYU to now? You know, he's a guy that we didn't spend a lot of time on here at the Senior Bowl because he was a junior, um, but I was doing a lot of ESPN stuff that year, so I did watch him, and he, I can see why the Jets picked him that high off his talent. Um, I don't know how he interviewed. I don't know any of that stuff, but, I mean, in terms of the physical tools, he had NFL starter tools, and now it's just it's going to be really interesting. I mean, that was, a, that was like a case study for how to handle a quarterback or, or at least – you know, I think every GM moving forward has to be mindful of that Jets situation with, with Zach Wilson because, really, I mean, you've got to think about it. He was what? He's in his third year after being drafted number two overall in, in a media market like New York. He kind of got chewed up and spit out, and everyone gave up on the guy. So we'll see, you know, like what these last six months with Aaron Rodgers, you know, in the building with him, if that helped him at all, kind of where his, his head's at. Did he get his confidence back? You know, you got to you got to play with confidence at any position in the NFL, uh, especially the quarterback position. Does he, you know, lack of a better term, does he, does he have his mojo back? We'll see. Um, and, and I hope he gets the opportunity. I know they're, they're you know, the, all the word today was that the Jets are are already, you know, casting call for some pre-engine quarterbacks. But uh, I hope Zach gets a shot. We'll see what it, we'll see what it looks like. Jim Nagy, our guest, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, talking uh, college football scouting for the senior bowl that's coming up, but also just uh, some of the top players across college football that he can lay eyes on based on where he is. You've certainly seen that this past weekend. Uh, you were in, in Tuscaloosa for Texas's win over Alabama. Initial takeaways, uh, Jim, and, and the matchups that you were watching is specifically uh, at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, not a shocking result. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if either team would have won, but it was not shocking that Texas went in there and, and got a win. I thought that uh, Alabama was probably the most gettable. Um, they've been in a while with a young quarterback in a big stage game week two. It's a lot to ask of Jalen Milrow. And I'll just say like down here in Mobile, this is, this is Crimson Tide territory down here in uh, man as the, as the fan base. Uh, are they ready for someone new at quarterback? And uh, I think that's premature. I think Jalen Milrow gives them the best chance to win right now. Uh, obviously, the coaching staff felt that way. Um, but Texas got after them. I mean, their defensive front got after them. They've got a bunch of NFL players in the secondary that made some plays. Jadad Barron came out early in the game with that pick. Um, and so that was a you know, great environment. I'll say that. Great environment. That's where I thought Alabama maybe had the edge. They had a roster full of guys that have played in more big games than Texas. But, man. They did not match up uh, with Texas. Their secondary did not match up with Texas skill people. I think we talked about that last week when I was on, is that Alabama had four NFL DBs that are in 53-man rosters right now in the, in the National Football League. And you just had guys like Worthy and, and uh, A.D. Mitchell and all these guys just you know running down the field making plays. So um, tough matchup week two for, for Alabama. I still think they're a good football team, but I think what it says more, it probably says more about Texas and, uh, you know, what we're going to be looking at at Texas the rest of the year. That is a that's a loaded Texas team. There's there's talent across the board at a lot of key spots. Uh, but Quinn Ewers is young, uh, but it's hard to ignore him based on the position that he's playing. How, how about you mentioned the atmosphere? Um, the broadcast, I thought, uh, put it simply, he, he was calm, cool and collected as if he's in a preseason scrimmage. That was kind of the look and, and moxie to his performance. Uh, overall thoughts on his development and the way he played at Bryant-Denny Stadium. 
thought he handled it great. And I think it goes back to to what Quinn Ewers has, has had to deal with, right? Yeah, I mean, it kind of self-created. You know, he doesn't play that last year in high school football. That draws a lot of attention to him, to himself. He goes up to Columbus, then the high-profile transfer to Texas. I mean, th- this guy's kind of grown up these last three, four years with cameras all around him and, and being the talk of social media. So um, the stage certainly didn't look too big um, for him the other night. And, and again, my first exposure to Quinn was three or four years ago at a camp in Santa Monica, uh, quarterback camp. And I've seen all the physical stuff. I mean, it, I put something on Twitter the minute I watched him throw the football that, that I thought the Buckeyes had themselves a special one. Now it looks like Texas has themselves a special one, but yeah, he, he handled that, that, uh, big stage really well. Tough Saturday. If you were an Aggie, uh, with their loss down in Miami and then Texas's big win that night uh, against Alabama. I know you had a scout gym at the Texas A&M Miami game. What, what was the big takeaway watching those two teams against each other? Yeah, and what I didn't realize um, was that that A and M relinquished it. But it you know, so the takeaway from our scout was like, man, Tyler Van Dyke just played the best game I've ever seen him play. Uh, that was that was the that was the text that I got the other night. And uh, going back and watching the tape of it this week, um, they you know, Texas A and M didn't do a lot to get after Tyler Van Dyke. You know, credit Miami, they went out and they got JV and Cohen from Alabama at guard. They got Jalen Rivers is coming back off an injury, and they got a really good center from UCF, Matt Lee, um, who's a draftable level center and really had an unbelievable matchup against McKinley Jackson, uh, Texas A&M's talented nose tackle, who's you know probably, when it's all said and done, going to be a first-round draft pick. I mean, you, Tyler Van Dyke could have packed a lunch back there the other day hmm. and, and ate a sandwich before he got rid of the football. I mean, he had all the time in the world until late. Then they started to bring more, you know, pressure packages and try to heat him up a little bit. But I'm actually surprised that wasn't, you know, kind of the plan from the start for Texas A&M. But um, Tyler handled it well, man. It was uh, give him credit. And uh, I think a lot of the portal skill people that they brought into, um, you know, kind of showed up in the game. So uh, credit Miami. They stepped in, stepped up and played big and they got big contributions from a lot of guys they got in the portal. A lot of new starters in the SEC uh, at, at QB and just talking quarterbacks in general. Chad made the comment yesterday. He's ready to declare it's just a down year for the Southeastern Conference. Are, are, are you on board with that to this point based on what you've seen? The storylines are elsewhere thus far. Well, um, I'm not saying Chad's jumping the gun. It certainly looks like it could be going that way. I, week, week two is a little early for me, but uh, <laughs> but I, I can see where he's going with that. I mean, yeah, you look across the board, they're losing, they're losing out, out of the division a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, in the senior class, you know, quarterback wise doesn't shape up with, you know, certainly the Pac-12. I mean, you got yeah. Bo Nix and Penix and Cam Ward and Cam Rising and, you know, Delora at Arizona. I mean, they've got some some good players out there. So yeah, I mean, and that's gonna drive it. I mean, certainly at the end of the day, when we get to April from a draft perspective, is the SEC going to have more players drafted than everyone? Absolutely. Um, but quarterback play is so essential to wins and losses. And if you're not good at quarterback or you're young at quarterback and unproven at quarterback, it's probably not going to be a great year. You're probably not going to have three teams in contention for the college football playoffs. So uh, a little early, but but it certainly seems to be trending in that direction. You're, you're right about the Pac-12. You have Caleb Williams and, and then there's Shadur Sanders. Yeah. 
you know, I forget. Uh, yeah. I forgot about, I forgot about the, the guy that won the Heisman trophy yeah. last year. And then, <laughs> and then, and then coach Prime's son, those are the so two guys I forgot. You, you've had scouts at the, the first two games for Colorado. What are they saying about Shador? Uh, just in general, again, the, the, the position may not resonate to this upcoming senior bowl, but it's hard not to pay attention. Well, we, you know, we had a scout on our staff, um, these past couple of years, he just took a job back in college, actually his first college job in like 40 years. And he, uh, he, he always talks about quarterbacks having the right central nervous system. And, uh, I think when you watch Shadur Sanders, you can see that again, that, that TCU, uh, game in week one, that was a big stage game. All eyes were on that game. There weren't a lot of great games in college football week one. That was one of them. He was going against, you know, the a team that was in the college football final last year and, and with a bunch of NFL players. And um, he looked like he was in his backyard, just, you know, chucking it around with, with his buddies. And uh, he came out this past week against Nebraska and what's an old rivalry game for Colorado and did the same thing. And I, I just got done watching that tape up in my office and man, he makes a couple big time throws on the move. Um, and he's just got a calmness to him, man. He's, he's got a little bounce in his feet. Um, he does a nice job feeling the rush and, and again, his book, his best football is way ahead of him. And what yeah. he's doing right now is, is a young guy's impressive. Um, but I think the coolest part about him right now is that, uh, it is just the game seems to be coming easy to him. And he, he looks like a guy that grew up around the sport. Um, he's not wide eyed, you know, he's just out there and it, it, it just looks easy to him. As you got the reports in, uh, after the weekend, is there a performance that stood out to you other than the, the two with, Texas A&M and Miami and then Bama losing to, to Texas? Well, the, the the performance of the weekend, if we want to, you know, go down to the FCS level, there's a running back, Dylan Laub at uh, New Hampshire, went on the road to Mount Pleasant, Michigan, uh, took on the Chippewas of Central Michigan, set an all-time NCAA record. He had 12 catches for 295 yards. Um, he had an 80-yard oh. touchdown catch and a 77-yard touchdown catch. Wow. He is uh, – you're going to hear some like Christian McCaffrey comparisons. Um, I'm slanting it more Danny Woodhead just because, you know, Danny Woodhead coming from Shadron State um, in, in Nebraska. I think that's where Woodhead played. If yep, you right. myself right. That's it. Um, to me, that's a better comp right now for a guy from New Hampshire than, than a guy that played at Stanford and was, you know, a Heisman, you know, in the running for the Heisman Trophy and is going to, you know, multiple Pro Bowl player. I wouldn't want to do that to this poor guy, but, uh, but it was an impressive game. Even going back and watching the tape, he is uh, he's what the NFL is looking for right now in terms of a running back that can kind of motion out into the slot, run detached routes. I mean, he's got a real feel for that. Um, he looks like he could be a legit slot receiver too. So, you know, the lead, the NFL is kind of trending away from the big back that can only just run it. And uh, so Dylan Lobb at New Hampshire is a name uh, as we move closer to April, uh, y'all might be hearing about. How bummed were you that uh, to see that Michael Pratt couldn't go against Ole Miss? I was really looking forward to seeing him against an SEC defense. Yeah, big time bummed. Um, that would have been a, a big, big game for him, you know, in the eyes of evaluators, the NFL. Uh, I was there, like we talked last week. I was there 14 to 15 against South Alabama. He was our senior bowl player of the week. He was lights out, four touchdowns. Um, and then he's down. And, and you know what? That was a great atmosphere as a sellout at, at uh you know, there at, at uh, Yulman Stadium. I was trying to think of the stadium, Yulman Stadium at Tulane. And uh, and they hung with them, man. They hung with them without Michael Pratt saying a lot. 
and they were down their best linebacker on defense who had like 15 or 16 tackles the week before against South Alabama. So they were down their best players on both sides of the ball and really hung with a, a good old Miss team for a long time. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was unfortunate. It would have it been great to see him play Ole Miss. Jim, final 20 seconds or so here. Where are you headed this weekend? I'm headed to Auburn for parents weekend. I have oh. a son that's uh, – a son that's a freshman up there at Auburn. So I'm going to be at the uh, Auburn Samford game. We are going to be as a staff, we're going to be at 12 games. So I will, uh, I am committed to go to Auburn and uh, be at Jordan Hare. I think at four games this fall, so I can see my son. Uh, so that's where I'll be. That's awesome. You headed to Boulder anytime soon. USC's there in three weeks. I might have to be. Okay. Yeah, it might be a good one. <laughs> Hey, uh, really appreciate you as always. Great stuff today. Can't wait for next week and recapping what you saw this upcoming weekend in week three. All right, fellas. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. Jim Nagy, uh, executive director Enjoy of the parents Senior weekend Role. Also, love his perspective uh, with all that. Yeah, uh, parents weekend in Auburn, not bad. Regardless of opponent, and I guarantee you, he'll see someone at Stanford that catches his eye. Stanford, not Stanford. He'll Sorry. find someone or Stanford. Coming Either up, one. that's my quarterback on Hot Mike. Show flying by today, Chad. Bye-bye yeah, with Withrow across the Outkick Network. Um, our thanks to Jim Nagy there. I'm, I'm uh, hungry. Michael McHenry early. You're always hungry, though. Yeah. Dr. David Chow. Appetite's never been my issue. John McClain coming up. Um, never had a weak appetite. What are you hungry for? Uh, there's a nice little uh, taco stand here. <laughs> uh, I'm getting a little inkling for maybe a little pork belly taco. Okay. Maybe. White duck taco shop here at 6 the Peabody with Yeehaw Beer. And I, think old I just got Davey hungry with that one also. It's been a minute, man, but... It's it's a good go to. Davey knows. Davy knows that about that pork belly. Chad, the uh, the most college football uh, games watched in week two. Uh, really close at the at the top. We're we're paying attention to this uh, from a pregame perspective, but from an interest perspective, of course, the games are at different times, but the audience is virtually the same from early in the day until at night for college football fans looking at some very intriguing matchups and storylines. Texas and Alabama. Well, one and two. So this is an interesting story. Texas-Bama, no surprise. Most watched game. Hutton, that 8.76 million, that's the amount of people that watch Texas-Bama. That is the most watched game, college football game on ESPN since 2015 in eight years. And right behind them was Nebraska-Colorado at 8.73 million. Wow. That is crazy to think about, and that was not a close game. When you think about Nebraska, Colorado. So the Dion effect is in full effect right now. How about Auburn and Cal at over 2 million and a game that kicked off at 10 Eastern? I think they got a huge bump with it being an SEC school on the road in their Pac-12 after dark package. Because if that was Cal hosting Oregon State, you cut that number in half probably or maybe even go below that. There is some value to that late-night ESPN game with their Pac-12 after dark, but I, that's a good number for, for Auburn-Cal. So if it was a, a Pac-12 versus Pac-12, it'd be far less. Wait, isn't that Colorado this week in that spot? Colorado-Colorado State? Is that the late-night game? I'm pretty sure it's 9 Central. Oh, wow, okay. I didn't know that. It'll be a big number again. That will pick up. I'm looking at the 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 lines this week, bouncing off of the 8.76 million for Texas and Alabama. 
Alabama's favored in a, in a major way. Was it like 36 or something? I'm, I'm trying to remember the 36-point line against South Florida. And that's at South Florida. South Florida had a coaching change for a reason. They're not very good. Texas is favored by 26, 24 against Wyoming at home. 28 and a half, actually. They return home at 28 and a half point favorites against Wyoming. Keep, keep in mind, Wyoming has a win over Texas Tech. I know, this year. Yeah. Granted, it was in Laramie, but that's still a win over Texas Tech. Coming up at number four country, at number four team in the country now, the Longhorns returning home after the win in Tuscaloosa. Uh, if you haven't taken your shot with points bet, now is the perfect moment uh, exclusively for first-time points bet users. You can grab this unique offer, place an initial bet of $50 or more on any game. Maybe it's one of the two we just mentioned. And uh, you receive an official jersey from Fanatics.com. If jerseys are not your thing, you can offer $150 in credit to Fanatics and load up on gear that you truly want. Remember, uh, terms and conditions apply. You've got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. If you have a gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER is the number to call. If you're ready to get in the game, you just head over to Outkick.com slash bet. Outkick.com slash bet is uh, where you snag this offer with points bet. Outkick.com slash bet. And you can discover... More incredible deals uh, from our partner sportsbook. Again, that's outkick.com slash bet. Davey was correct. Colorado State at Colorado. 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central on ESPN. The Buffs, 23-point favorite if you want to play that one. You can all, um, you they're can already so. giving you futures bets on Colorado, Oregon next week. Colorado is favored uh, – excuse me. Oregon is favored by 14.5. So you can get Colorado plus 14.5 right now. Here's a game that I did not spend one second thinking about happening this week, but just scrolling through some lines here that jumped out to me. Yeah, Vandy is at UNLV in Vegas this Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Vandy is a four-point favorite, and that's it, at UNLV. That's a game you didn't expect to see happening anytime soon. Vandy traveling to Vegas to take on UNLV. Vols anyway. and Gators this weekend too. Vols yep. favorite was it six and a half? Six and a half last I checked. It's intriguing based on what happened last week. Feels as a buddy said it feels like a line that's begging for Florida money. That it's almost like Vegas wants that out there to entice people to bet on the Gators at home uh, in sort of a switcheroo. They're trying to get that that those bets in on Florida on that one. Man. I believe the Vols have only won twice in Gainesville in the last 40 years. 2001, 2003, and that's it in the last 40 years. 20 years ago was the last Milton's time Tennessee be the quarterback won. to go down there and win. And Joe Milton said this offseason when asked, he said, I don't lose in the state of Florida, was yeah. his line about this. That's where, of course, he grew up in Pahokee uh, in Florida. So we will see, Joe. We will see. 20 years since Tennessee team won in the Swamp. Joe Milton trying to be a, a great quarterback that plays in Gainesville for the Tennessee Volunteers. Carl Owen certainly loves quarterbacks. With more, here's... Davey Hudson, for, that's my quarterback. It's my quarterback. All right, guys. So today on that's my quarterback. Can you wear shades, Davey, for, to, I, in honor of T.O. from that press conference where he's got the shades on indoors? I can start that. Here. I don't have them today. Oh, we got them today? Yeah, hand these to him. Pass All them right, around. we'll s swing these around. Let's see here. Okay. Putting, I think putting it just adds to the now. segment if you've got shades on. Okay. Like T.O. All right, guys. We're starting in college. There and our go. first question is, who is this year's Max Duggan? If you look back, TCU, they did not take off until really a month into the season when they had that big win over Oklahoma. And then it was just 
All right, TCU, Max Duggan. We're getting into that Heisman race. So who is going to be this year's Max Duggan? Well, Chad, you and I are always going to bring different answers for this each week. And I thought your answer would be one of the two I yeah. put down. Um, I love how you put in the rundown, too. Whichever yeah. one that I didn't want of Whoever these Chad two. doesn't want. Michael Penix Jr. qualifies for me here. Um, just based on the fact that no one's talking about him. He's playing great. He throws it all over the yard. And... Of the quarterbacks out West, of the teams out West, Washington still doesn't have that same pizzazz yet. Chad's on to something, though, with this preseason prediction about Heisman. I, I'm, I'm watching him closely. The other one I put down is Drew Aller, quarterback at Penn State, because no one's talking about Penn State right now, and we won't for a while, at least I don't think so, unless they're upset, because they don't have the matchups that really matter for a, a few more weeks. I'm specifically talking about Ohio State. So, uh, yeah, th those are the two quarterbacks I'm pointing to because both are on teams that can absolutely get to the college football playoff. I think Davey has a new thing with shades on camera. I'm, I'm kind of uh, digging this whole vibe we have going on here during I'm this segment. I can make it a reoccurring. So, uh, with, with Michael Penix Jr., I, I, I was thinking, because I picked him to win the Heisman. So, to me... And I, I get what you're saying. That's not as under well, the radar out Duggan of nowhere. Duggan was a Heisman finalist. And I've got them in the in the playoff. So I just started thinking a little bit more against the grain of an outside-the-box possible national champion. This team's currently ranked 15th in the latest AP poll. But if I'm looking for this year's Max Duggan, I'm just going to go with the guy who beat Max Duggan for the Big 12 championship a mm -hmm. year ago. And that's Will Howard. Uh, out of the Philly area, big quarterback, 6'5", 245, at K-State, I, I, he's had a good first two weeks. The Wildcats are 2-0. and He's completing about 68% of his passes, putting up some big numbers. Um, I, I Look, I don't know that it's going to happen for him, but I, I see Will Howard, and I get those same Max Duggan vibes from a year ago of maybe this is a dark horse team that could make a run uh, and get to the college football playoffs. So I'm going Will Howard at K-State. All right, guys. I. If I had to throw one out there, Cameron Ward at Washington State, you know, it's that yeah. final hoorah. Big win over Wisconsin. Yep. They've, they've kind of got that first win out there, and so it's uh, can they make it? They're going to have an opportunity to go up against a lot of really good teams in the Pac-12, so that's just another name to keep an eye on. We're going to make the transition to the NFL, and don't call it a comeback, but what is a who is a quarterback that did not make the playoffs last year that you think could lead his team to the Super Bowl this season? Uh, boom or bust. Highest ceiling, lowest floor, the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson. Um, they get the week one win. They are uh, top to bottom, a, a stacked roster. Watson has shown us he can be a top four or five quarterback in the league whenever he last played for the Houston Texans. It would take that, and it will take better moments than what we saw this past week uh, against Cincinnati, where it was a flash here and a flash there, but not the consistent play that you look for on the stat line, but it's Watson that can absolutely get the Browns there and make a run because of their defense, because of their offensive weapons, and because they have a quarterback that has been at the top of his game uh, a hand, handful of years ago at that, but one that is paid to do it again. Yeah, yours is the right answer and, and, and my favorite answer of this. I, I, I totally agree with everything you said on Deshaun Watson. I've thought throughout the offseason the Browns were a possible sleeper team. Um, I like that answer. I'm going to stick with what we've been talking about today and sort of my general theme that 
maybe the Jets can become the 49ers of the AFC. Hmm. And if they do that, then Zach Wilson becomes the Brock Purdy of the AFC and leads the Jets to big things. So I'm going to go with Zach Wilson making a comeback that obviously no one saw coming, including the Jets, because they didn't want him to be the starter. That's why they brought in Aaron Rodgers. But now they're forced to start him, and he is now the guy, and maybe he learned from his mistakes from a year ago, both from a play standpoint and leadership standpoint, and he can be something great for the Jets. So I'll go Zach Wilson. Yeah, when I thought of this question, it was before the week one games had kicked off, and I was kind of getting my inspiration of can Justin – Fields make that leap that Jalen Hurts ended up making and I get know. the Bears there. And uh, that, that does not look like it's going to happen. I believe, what, the Bears have lost 11 straight now. So uh, that one threw that out there. But I like both your answers. And, guys, so just speaking of week one, what was your favorite NFL performance from the quarterback position this past week? Well, Tua Tungavailoa was called a fat stripper, basically, that he looked like one from Ryan Clark. And uh, the dude Forgot responded that. to that by throwing for 466 yards and three <laughs> touchdowns on the road. So uh, I will one-up your fat stripper comment, Ryan Clark, and say that Tua, clearly with his dietary plan this offseason and his workout plan to beef up, it's doing some good things. The guy has pinpoint accuracy. He throws a very catchable football, as my friend Chris Green in college once claimed that he did every time he threw a football. Tua Tungavailoa, catchable football. I loved his performance in week one in that shootout win in L.A. against the Chargers. For me, it's Jordan Love. Jordan Love goes on the road against Chicago after an era where Aaron Rodgers was more or less the team owner, owning, owning the city, uh, winning every time, and Love picks up where Rodgers left off. Uh, it's, it's another moment in the lineage of what Rodgers followed from Brett Favre. Rodgers won his first start after replacing Brett Favre against uh, Minnesota. Uh, in a divisional matchup, Green Bay goes on the road, wins a divisional matchup against Chicago, and Jordan Love does more than just watch Justin Fields not do much except throw screen passes. He is 18 of 22. Uh, he has, or excuse me, he's 15 of 27 passing, 245 yards uh, and three touchdowns. And when you consider there are 14 quarterbacks uh, that had less than 200 yards passing, net passing, in week one, Love wasn't one of them, and he was outstanding. No turnovers. That's important there, too. That's a huge boost for a franchise that wasn't talked about, was an afterthought, given the fact that their future Pro Football Hall of Famer just bolted in the offseason. Yeah, Jordan Love and the Packers is playing the Falcons this weekend. That's one of the most intriguing matchups, in my opinion, just because can he do it two weeks in a row, and there's a chance he doesn't have Aaron Jones. Uh, Will he get Christian Watson back? But, I mean, he's looking the part so far and could – Green Bay actually have hit on the third straight generational quarterback with their program and talk about Aaron Rodgers and sitting behind, which Zach Wilson's not going to be able to do now. But, I mean, it might be the new strategy we see more often as we head forward. Uh, Matt LaFleur post game. Great work if you can get it as a franchise. Matt Just hand LaFleur off to one guy for the next. On for Jordan Love post game. There was a big time belief in that locker room in Jordan Love. They're excited for him. They love him. They respect him. The same cannot be said for Zach Wilson in New York. And that's what, what everybody would have said about Aaron Rodgers. No doubt. We love it him. It changed that we perception. We respect yeah. him. We worship at the altar of Aaron yeah. Rodgers, and now he's no more. We'll do anything he's for him. He's still with us, just not playing football. I should clarify. Yeah. Atlanta and Green Bay, one of the top games of week two. I agree with Davey on that. Yeah. No one would have predicted that based on week one matchups and expectations. 
Coming up, uh, the very latest with the Jets and Rodgers. The other quarterback from last night, Josh Allen, and the NCAA response to Mac Brown.